Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody. I don't know why, but it feels like ages. We are here. It is a Wednesday. We are back with another episode. And I feel like we say this every week, but it is true this week. This is our most blockbuster episode to date. Coming up, the exec producer of Eurovision 2021. A very special... Rotterdam road trip guest and maybe James Newman. <laughs> you said maybe there. That is the most important word that you've said so far on the podcast because, uh, and this has happened before here on the Eurotrip, where we big up a guest and we introduce them, we hear from them, but as we are introducing them, we haven't actually spoken to them yet because of the quirky way podcasts work. Um, at the moment, as we are speaking, We've not actually spoken to James Newman. He hasn't turned up. Uh, he's going to. We hope so, at least. Uh, but this is going to be very difficult for us to try and big up this interview. James is a lovely guy, but we've not heard from him yet. We haven't. But future us will have done. But past us, <laughs> as current us, haven't yet. Basically, what we're saying is, if you spend most of this podcast listening to us and we go James Newman on the way, and then an interview with Vincent Bueno pops up, that's <laughs> because James Newman didn't actually turn up. Short little disclaimer. So, effectively, what we are saying is, who knows what's going to happen? So stay tuned. It's time for the Euro trip. 
As John Alessandro always said, take it away. After Hilversum, Amsterdam and The Hague, the festival is going to make its home in Rotterdam. I really hope that, you know, you will enjoy the show this year. I want to send a message to all the people. Join us on the dark side. Let's have a party in Rotterdam. I'm Rambo Amadeus. Hi, my name is Andrus Mamontovas. Hello, my name is Sana Nielsen. I'm Paul Harrington. And I am Charlie McGettigan, believe it or not. I'm Dave Benton, winner of the Eurovision 2001. Hey, I'm Eldar, the winner of Eurovision 2011. Hi, I'm Chris Bjorkman. Hi there, my name is Martin Estadal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, we hope the United Kingdom's representative for Eurovision 2021, James Newman. That's right, we have waited a very, very long time to bring you this interview. Ever since selection season, ever since we knew James was coming back, ever since Embers was released, we've been wanting to talk to him, we've been trying to track him down. We have sent email after email. And finally, he's on the podcast. That's right. And as we teased a little bit earlier on, um, as we are currently speaking, we haven't actually spoken to James Newman yet. So it's going to be very difficult to tee up this interview. But here is a clip of him for an unspecified amount of time talking about an unspecified topic. There was one point when I was walking back from getting a cup of tea and um, I could just see like all the lights black, like kind of booming from around the corner and the music was blasting. And there was like people kind of stood out all stood near it and I was like, oh my God, it's like a festival. It's like walking back to the festival. I'm unspecified amount of excited to hear the rest of that interview. Seat uh, Sabaka, he's also on the podcast. He's definitely on the podcast because I've already spoken to him. He's the exec producer of Eurovision 2021. So I asked him all about what's been going on with this year's contest as we are just a few days away from the delegations arriving in Rotterdam. And James, a very, very special Rotterdam road trip guest. Indeed, we teased this last week. It's the King of the Netherlands. He's finally on the podcast. Well, not quite him, but somebody very, very close. So stay tuned to find out who that is. Or I could just tell you now, it's Jean-Guy McCroy, who's representing the Netherlands this year at Eurovision. That's right. You get two for the price of one when it comes to Eurovision 2021 artists on the podcast this week. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Euro Trip. That's right. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Eurotrip. Uh, it's been a while, actually, since we've done a, a countdown check, and I've not got the countdown in front of me, but I know it's less than a week. No, it's not less than a week. Less than two weeks. I'm getting ahead of myself until the very first semi-final. I shouldn't have done this countdown, should I? I've made an absolute dog's dinner of it. You have, although that could be because your head is already full of numbers. Because you've just told me, and yes, listeners, Prepare to judge and judge hard. Uh, James, you've just told me what you spent your weekend doing and it involved the creation of a spreadsheet, especially to tell us uh, this ridiculous fact. Yeah, firstly, I'll clarify, I didn't spend the entire weekend doing it. It probably took about 10, 15 minutes to make a spreadsheet to figure out how many days elapsed between every edition uh, of the Eurovision Song Contest. Of course, this is because we can only assume this has been the biggest gap between two Eurovision Song Contests, which, of course, we know it has. It has been 700-odd days between... I'm Listen to you. Go on. Listen to you trying to give out the fact. It will be, by the 22nd of May, 735 days between the Grand Final in 2019 and the Grand Final in 
2021. Compare that to just 283 days between 1956 and 1957. They didn't know how lucky they had it, did they, in 56 and 57? They didn't. However, in 1956, I came up with this startling fact. Uh, Do you know what day of the week the very first edition of the Eurovision Song Contest took place? Well, naturally, you would expect that the answer would be Saturday. However, given that you flagged it, it's not going to be Saturday, is it? It's not a Saturday. Who would have thought it would have been a Thursday? That's uh, it's quite sociable, isn't it? Keeps the weekend free. You can still pop off and do whatever it is you wanted to do. Yeah, it certainly does. And I found out some of them took place on a Sunday. So it's never always been a Saturday. And it was never always May either. Sometimes it was in April. Sometimes it was in March. Crazy times back in the day. Crazy times. I would like you now to review what we've just done. And would you say that it was worth it, that spreadsheet? Absolutely. Absolutely. Top quality content. Although I do reckon we should probably move on and do something else. I think we probably should. I think we probably should. Uh, Talking of last week's podcast, which is normally what we do at this point, uh, thank you very much to all of you that listened. I hope you enjoyed my ridiculous interview with Natalia Gordienko from the hotel lobby in Moscow. I'm still thinking about that interview even now, and it's been about two weeks since I did it. That interview will stay with me for a very, very long time. But one of the things that came up, of course, in the podcast last week was that the King of the Netherlands has been to the was that the King of the Netherlands had been to the Ahoy in Rostam, of course, to have a little nose around, have a little poke around. And it therefore got us thinking, well, would the Queen enjoy a bit of the old Eurovision Song Contest? That was just a passing comment. And James, you said I said no. I, I, I don't reckon she does watch the, the contest. But We then got a bit of correspondence, which says that maybe there are a couple of royal Euro fans. Uh, Jamie got in touch. He sent us a DM on Twitter and he said, uh, hello, exclamation mark, which I always think is an excellent greeting. You're almost shocked, aren't you? It's like, hello. (laughs) He declares he's here. Uh, Re-royalty and Eurovision. In Gordon Roxburgh's Songs for Europe book, which is not one I've heard of, but I will check it out. uh, He says, it says that Charles and Camilla had a private tour around the National Indoor Arena in Birmingham in 1998. So maybe they are fans. Now that sentence alone sounds very dull, doesn't it? They had a private tour of the what in Birmingham? What's it called? The National... The National Indoor Arena? Imagine it. I've just had a tour of the National Indoor Arena in Birmingham. That sounds like a very boring statement if you didn't realise you were talking about Eurovision, doesn't it? I mean, it does a little bit. I mean, the uh, the NIA hosts... Uh... Anyway, to its friends, I assume. Uh, it hosts all sorts of fun things. I think that's where Crufts, the dog show, is as well. Or is that the NEC? I always get confused with my arenas in Birmingham. <laughs> well off topic yet again. Uh, and while we were talking about that, we sort of uh, we sort of teased that the King of the Netherlands was going to be uh, on this week's podcast. Uh, it's not quite the King of the Netherlands, but it is Jean-Gu McCroy. Of course, he's representing the Netherlands at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. And as well, James Newman is still to come, a jam-packed episode. But first, very quickly, just to touch on last week's episode again, I had a very lovely conversation with Corey uh, about her tour as well uh, of the Ahoy. But we had a little bit of a conversation that didn't make it into last week's episode, Rob. Yeah, this is an unheard part of James's interview with Corey, which I think, to be honest with you, he wanted to keep from me. He wanted it to remain unheard by both you at home and me. And there was a very special reason you wanted that part of the interview to go unheard, wasn't there? 
Yeah, there was. Let's not say any more. Let's just play the clip, uh, this unheard clip, should I say, uh, from my interview with Corey last week. I was going to stop it there, but I thought right. I'll, I'll leave it recording just so Rob can uh, can hear you say how much you love his Terry Wogan impression. Oh, jolly, it's good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, you can you can have the final word. Is he allowed to keep doing the impression going forwards? Well, if it doesn't get too many complaints, he's allowed <laughs> to do it. Um, but I'll leave it up. It's your podcast. I don't want to take over my opinion. <laughs> but I it, it, just just do it. I mean, it's nice. To, it's nice to hear every once in a while to have him back. Yes, like like every every once and again as a, like a surprise guest. <laughs> So there you have it, everybody. Terry Wogan. Corey, you heard conclusively, loves a bit of the Wogan. However, she did say once in a while, a surprise guest, and I'm sure because of the amount of people who aren't tuning in this week, you did it last week, so you do not have permission to do it. And I'm going to say this, not until the end of Eurovision season this year. Define the end of. Can I do it before the grand final? No, not at all. Not at all. If you push your luck, he's going to be in the box until 2022. But then, if I did it before the final now, it would be a surprise. And that's exactly how Corey wanted him to appear. Oh, but now you've said that, maybe he has to stay in the box until after. <sighs> anyway, uh, Corey, this is just for you. Uh, all of you listening at home, feel free to um, close your ears for the next 10 seconds. Corey, thanks very much. means a lot. Thank you for everything you're doing for for us here on the podcast and for both mine and uh, and Terry's self-esteem. Now then, moving on from Terry, I think it's time for this. That's right. The news jingle is back again. I say back again, it was, it was here last week, it's gone nowhere. But it does tell us that it's time for all the latest news from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest, doesn't it, Rob? It does indeed. And I can only assume, because Eurovision is but two weeks away, that there's loads to talk about, James. Absolutely loads. Uh, I'm going to dive straight into it and tell you that if you are listening today on podcast release day... It's three days to go until rehearsals start. It is 13 days to go until the first semi-final of the Eurovision Song Contest. And I mean, apart from that, I mean, there's stuff going on, but that's as much as I'm going to give you to do with the news at the moment. Get very cocky with countdowns now, aren't you? Now you've got your spreadsheet out, (laughs) throwing numbers around left, right and centre. I'm very confident now, what can I say? But no, you are right, because Eurovision is so close. What's everybody doing? They're just packing. Your news may as well have just been, oh, I don't know, Natalia Gordienko, sounds like I'm obsessed now, has been packing her bags for Rotterdam. And a fire stick, I can only assume, because we uh, we heard in the interview that she's planning on watching a lot of Netflix. Absolutely. I can just do that if you want. Uh, live from Norway, Tix is packing his suitcase. Live from Sweden, Tusa is packing his suitcase. Live from Finland, you get the idea. Yeah, I do get the idea. Um, Do you reckon, by the way, that uh, Tix will be able to put his wings in with his normal bag, like Mm. it'll be carry-on, or whether that'll have to go in the hold? It might have to be extra baggage as well, though, and that costs a pretty penny, doesn't it? It does. Has anyone at NRK thought about this? 
So what we're saying is if if Tix appears on the stage in Rotterdam without his wings on, uh, one of the execs at NRK went, you know what, it's not worth it. Or it could be lost luggage. Or maybe somebody picked it up. Somebody else picked it up instead. I'm sure there was a story of lost luggage in a Eurovision artist. Someone will remind us of this. I'm sure it was in Kiev. Most most things involving things going wrong were in Kiev <laughs> in 2017. You are right. I remember the story as well. Are we going to let the listeners tell us, or are you going to sit here for an uh, insufferable amount of time and lock it up? Uh, I am, you can hear me, tapping away. Eurovision artist, lost luggage. It's all right. It's not as if we've got lots on uh, this episode. <laughs> uh, still got James Newman, we hope, to come. Uh, so you type in, by the way, everybody, uh, Eurovision artist lost luggage, and you get a link to you may remember IQ's song for the uh, for North Macedonia in 2018 uh, called Lost and Found. Um, yes, I I can't find it. I cannot find it. But if you want to tell us at home which artist or which delegation or which person, whoever it was, somebody lost their luggage at Eurovision recently, tell us who it was at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or hello at eurotrippodcast.com on the email. There are more pressing matters in your life, and feel free to get on with those. But if you do find the time to let us know, please do. Uh, But speaking of finding the time, we need to find the time to speak to our guests on today's podcast. First up, Rob, Sita Backer. That's right, my old pal. I've chatted to him before, haven't I? We're, we're close friends at this point, I reckon, because Seats has not been chatting to many people, I'm sure. Uh, you are right, he is the exec producer, one of two exec producers of the Eurovision Song Contest 2021. And we were lucky enough to have a chat to him in February, when, you know, things were still very up in the air about this year's Eurovision Song Contest, which is why it was even more of a privilege to have a chat to him with just a couple of weeks to go until this year's Eurovision Song Contest. And we had, of course, the huge news last week that there will be a limited audience in the Ahoy, three and a half thousand fans, which is just going to make such a difference to the atmosphere. Uh, I do want to tease ahead, by the way. Uh, You can hear a full chunky interview with Sitsa and James who else have you been speaking to? I've been speaking to another backer but this backer is in fact the head of show uh, for this year's Eurovision Song Contest which is another fantastic interview uh, coming up later this week in something we're going to call a backer bonus. That's right the backer bonus coming your way Friday in your podcast feed so you can hear in full from Sitsa backer and we're going to call him Gerbenbacher, but his name is definitely not Gerbenbacher, and it's pronounced differently in Dutch, but Gerben, apologies. Uh, so the head of show and the exec producer of Eurovision 2021 with you on Friday in full. But we'll bring you a little bit of seats now, because I asked him all about that exciting news that we will get fans in the arena this year, and for his reaction. Yeah, it, it, we're very happy with uh, with the trust that the, the government is putting into us to to do that in the in the most responsible way possible. Uh, obviously, it's also a, a it's a big big responsibility to do it as well, to do it right, and to keep people healthy. Um, I think we're doing everything we can, also based on on previous pilot events that took place in the Netherlands. So uh, all in all, we're very happy. It's not the 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 big audience we originally hoped for hosting the 2020 contest. But uh, um, sort of our, our scenarios were prepared for an, an empty venue uh, for, for three shows. And uh, to, to have the, the human emotion in the hall uh, makes a lot of difference for us, but especially for the contestants, because we all know artists, they need their audience to, to, uh, to perform at their best. 
How nervous were you about that decision before the decision was made? Because I think for many of us watching on from afar, we thought the more likely potential, you know, version of events is that there won't be an audience. So to get the good news through was just a, a fantastic turnaround in fortunes. It has been it has been pretty um, uh, exciting, and uh, not not always in a positive way because hospital numbers are still high, infection rates are still pretty high. At the same time, you're starting to see the um, the positive impact of vaccination, uh, seasonal influences, um, uh, immunity. So, you know, it, it, it's been, uh, it, it, it's challenging. And I think we, we have to keep a, a close look at the numbers, a close look at any concerns there may be with, with healthcare professionals. So we are in in regular contact with the with healthcare workers here in uh, in Rotterdam uh, to make sure that that we are doing uh, that we're doing the right thing and that we do it right. We know, of course, that you've been scenario planning for an incredibly long time. Have you had to make any tweaks to your scenario planning, even in the last couple of weeks, even in the last few weeks, to to satisfy the authorities that it would be a safe event with an audience? The, the, we can have an audience because this is a so-called field lab event. And field lab is a collaboration between the government, uh, several institutes, uh, and the event industry. Uh, it's based on the notion that you, you do behavioral study into, into how you can safely organize events with an audience, uh, even amidst a pandemic. Uh, because even though there's light at the end of the tunnel, uh, it's not over yet. Um, and these pilot events, uh, I think there have, there have been about 10 now, have, have really given us incredible insight into what you can do to, to do an event in a responsible way and, and, and minimize infection risk to the absolute minimum. So we had to constantly update to implement all these insights. And I don't want to get all too technical, but uh, but it means, for example, that we're going to invite people by uh, in time slots because we've seen in previous pilot events that this can work and it, it limits the amount of people you have in front of the venue. Uh, it helps people to sort of spread out while they while they enter and when they depart. So all in all, it's it's sort of almost on a daily basis you're trying to adapt all to do this in a responsible way and ultimately to have three fantastic shows with audience in the arena. And just remind us who that audience will be made up of. It's it's 2020 ticket holders, am I right? And and fans of course from from the Netherlands. Yeah, we we've made a promise last year that everyone who had a ticket for the 2020 contest will be given the opportunity to uh, buy tickets for the same show. Now obviously there'll be less tickets, so it'll be harder to to get them. But those people will be first in line to buy those tickets. At the same time, there are obviously travel restrictions. I'm sure there will be people making all the effort, and uh, and that's incredibly admirable. At the same time, we'd like to um, uh, really call upon people to follow the instructions from their national governments uh, and and to do the right thing. And if 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 that means you cannot come, that's obviously unfortunate. Unfortunate, but. Uh, uh, Eurovision is back uh, and will continue and there will be many more opportunities uh, uh, in the years to come and hopefully everyone will enjoy those three live shows uh, on television. 
This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So a big thanks to Sita Baka, of course, the executive producer uh, or one of the executive producers of this year's Eurovision Song Contest for having a chat to us on today's episode. But don't forget, uh, as part of the Baka bonus coming your way on Friday, you can hear uh, an extended interview with him to find out exactly what is going on ahead of the contest in just a couple of weeks time. Indeed. I ask him about the golden cage. If you know, you know. Does he give us an answer? Gonna have to wait until Friday to find out. But right now, it is time, you know the music, for this. This is the Euro Trips Rotterdam Road Trip. It is the Euro Trips Rotterdam Road Trip, and that's right, I've managed to name the feature correctly first time round, which never happens. Probably shouldn't have raised attention to it, but I have anyway. Uh, this is the part of the show where we give you a little insight into how the city of Rotterdam is preparing, how the Netherlands is preparing for this year's Eurovision Song Contest. And James, it's sad but good news, sad news that this is the final Rotterdam road trip of this Eurovision season. Yes, it is. And I imagine it'll be the last Rotterdam road trip of any season, unless they happen to win it again this year. Uh, But we'll soon see. But of course, yes, we've been taking you on a little bit of a a journey, um, speaking to uh, people who live there, people who work there in Rotterdam. But this week is a little bit different because we're going to be speaking to none other than the Dutch representative at this year's Eurovision Song Contest, Jongu McCroy. Now, I'm sure as a Eurovision fan, you will know his name. He was one of the 2020 artists as well. He was due to represent the nation uh, for the 2020 contest with his song Grow. But he's back this year with a brand new song with a totally different style, uh, Birth of a New Age. It's a fantastic song and has a great meaning behind it as well. So I'll be asking him all about that very, very shortly. And also, because it is the Eurotrips Rotterdam Road Trip, I will be learning a little bit of Dutch as well, because we've been doing that all throughout the last few weeks, haven't we, Rob? We certainly have. Who better to teach you our final Dutch word? I say our final Dutch word. I hope we get a few more. I hope we get a few more before uh, before the grand final itself. We'll do our best. But my head is, is so full of the Dutch words we've learned that I've pretty much forgotten all of them, <laughs> apart from the first one I learned, which was zelig. Probably not how you say it, which uh, means everything's fine. Everything's cool. Everything is zelig. And uh, also, uh, we learned from uh, Stan Smulders, Eurovision's Digital King, Miha uh, Freidag Bochrol, which I think means something like midday on Friday beers, something like that. You definitely read that off a screen as well, didn't you? I didn't, worryingly. No. Oh, wow. No, no. Don't even have that excuse. Never mind. But what we're trying to say is we've learned some Dutch, and hopefully we get to use it at some point. If we ever travel out to the Netherlands or you are going there, then uh, feel free to use that and if anybody asks the Eurotrip told you but anyway back to Jean-Gu uh, this is a fantastic interview with him to find out what he is feeling ahead of the contest in just a couple of weeks time but I started off by asking him of course he was one of the class of 2020 it's been a long time coming so I started off by asking him how excited he is to finally be heading to Rotterdam to represent his nation at the Eurovision Song Contest. It's been a very very long time coming and um, I'm getting re- I'm getting butterflies every time I think I think about 
um, the fact that it's next month because for so long it's been just looking forward to something and that that was so um, far away and now it's just, it's just right around the corner and I'm very excited that it's finally happening. What are your feelings like right now compared to say January or February last year? Are the nerves the oh. same? Because compared to January and February last year we still thought the contest would go ahead so how mm -hmm. do you feel now compared to last year? Ooh, that's a wow that's, that's a long time ago. Um, I think that this year I may be a bit more calm. My European journey last year was just like, I just only experienced the beginning of it, like releasing the song, getting to play it live on radio and stuff like that. And then it was just cut off. And now I'm in a phase that I'm experiencing things that I didn't get to experience last year, right? We're, we're actually rehearsing uh, in the final stages, right? And, and we're gonna... Uh, go actually going to Rotterdam next month, which is um, which is very exciting, but also you know also a bit nerve wracking. So I'm uh, I'm up I'm up and down. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're yeah. very excited as well, which is the most yeah. important thing. Um, I'd love to take you back to to last year and that that really sad moment for everybody where we found out that mm -hmm. the contest was cancelled. And I can see on your face immediately that you, can, you yeah. can get back there immediately in your emotions. Can you give us an idea about how that felt for you on that day about finding out? Because it was, I guess it was mixed emotions because you found out on the same day that you'd come back this year as well. Yeah, so um, hearing that I would come back was... Um that that would that made it easier to deal with the fact that it was cancelled but I was actually very disappointed and, and kind of in shock because in my in my mind I was thinking okay maybe they're not gonna maybe they're just gonna postpone it to uh, to like fall to like December or something like that but like you know looking back on it now with you know what we know now uh, it, that was never gonna be an option um, but I, I really had to, to, to take some time to get used to the idea that, that, um, that it was that I would have to wait another, another year. And then how quickly yeah. did you start to focus on 2021? Did you take a step back and take a little bit of a break before focusing any attention on that? Yeah, well, I, I guess the beginning of like the pandemic and the lockdown that we've been living in, those first months until like the the end of summer I didn't write anything new because I just I, I just, just didn't know how to I just had to find a new way of like you know where getting inspiration because I get in my inspiration from like going to museums or or theaters or or the or, or the movies or like you know random spontaneous conversations with strangers or with friends and now it was like so limited that you know, interaction that you can have with other people or with art. So this for those first first months were like I, I didn't do anything. So what kind of inspirations then did you have for Birth of a New Age? Because this song yeah. is wildly different, isn't it, to grow from last year. So what kind of inspirations did you play on to to come and write this song? It is it is actually inspired by um by people actually also and 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 these movements that have been very um obvious in the world it's it's an ode to people who, who like have found the strength to 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 use their voice um to stand up for themselves but also to stand up for others 
I was also thinking that I was very happy that I have music to escape to, right? And when I'm in the studio, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for those hours, I'm not thinking about the pandemic and I can create a world of my own. I wanted to write something that was, that could potentially give something, people something to escape to, some, something positive, something that, something optimistic, something that would give them the idea that if they just, you know, keep, kept their self grounded and, and just stay true to yourself and just, you know, find, find the strength inside of yourself that you, that you can overcome difficult times like these. We are the fruit adorning the legacy of every forgotten revolutionary born in resilience, proud like a lion. We are the birth of a new age. You know my blood for me. You know my blood for me. You know my blood for me. You are from Suriname originally. Your your heritage is there, and the yeah. song for this year sort of embraces that culture yeah. doesn't it so how important was it to sort of be able to share that in your song for 2021 yeah well i was in the studio and and we, we were writing this you know birth of a new age and oh it's about resilience it's about overcoming stuff and to me knowing where i come from and and knowing that that you know that is a foundation of my identity is something that empowers me and it um, it was such so much fun to add that language to to the to the to the song, knowing that you know a lot of people have never heard of of Surinamese before. So in an attempt to like you know um, bring something new and and also bringing a message of, of strength and 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 unity. What's the reaction been to Birth of a New Age? Because you released it back in March, uh, along yeah. with so many other countries released it around the same time. So what's it been like uh, seeing the reaction from fans across the world? Yeah, there was it's all it's always so much so much fun to see. That that was a whole new thing before before I you know got to produce represent the Netherlands. I didn't know that you know there were all these reaction fan videos and stuff like that. But it's it's just so much fun to see because um it it adds to like the the hype and the celebration around eurovision um so it's been fun watching those and it's been it's been also fun here in the netherlands just the fact that we're hosting the whole thing you you can actually actually feel like the anticipation when when you're walking like in the streets because people like come up to me and they they, they wish me good luck and they're like so so excited and happy that it's that it's here I know you can't compare this to being in a different country and representing the Netherlands in, I don't know, Spain no. or France or something like that. But what is it like to be representing the Netherlands in your home country? Um, well, it actually feels, well, it feels, it feels safe, I guess. Um, uh, I, I can imagine that when you go to another country that you just have to get used, you know, get used, you have to get acquainted with like the culture and the people but here, you know, I've I've been I've been playing clubs and concert halls here in, in the Netherlands for for quite some years now, and um, it's nice. It just feels like home. I'm I'm doing <laughs> so that's all the way I'm approaching it. Also, like I'm just uh, you know gonna sing um, in my home. And 
Can you give us an idea about what it's like in the Netherlands at the moment? Are you in Rotterdam? Are you in a different city? What's the vibe like from the people around the country knowing that Eurovision is coming? Well, I live in Amsterdam. So right now I'm in Amsterdam. Um, but I was in Rotterdam actually um, yesterday uh, because there was this beautiful mural that, that this amazing artist, Timon de Lat, painted across a, like a wall which is an ode to Eurovision, but also to, to my song, Birth of a New Age. Um, so we're living in a pandemic, so, you know, it's, it's a very, very difficult to, like, actually have close encounters with people that are strangers. But just based off of the reactions that I get when I'm walking in the streets and people just, you know, uh, come up to me and they just wish me good luck and stuff like that. Um, I can I, I I think there's this anticipation and, and this enthusiasm about Eurovision also because it's like the first big event that's actually happening. Absolutely. It's safe to say everybody's very excited that something is yeah. finally going to happen and we can do something to celebrate. It's very, very yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, looking ahead to Rotterdam then, we already know, of course, that you'll be performing in the grand final. You don't have to worry about the semifinals, which is which is a relief. So what yeah. are what are your hopes for the grand final? I know this is a, a very you know basic <laughs> question and you want to say, of course, I want to win. But realistically, yeah. what are your what are your hopes for the night? Well, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do my, my best, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, and I, and I want to, I want to enjoy every moment, because like I, I'm, I'm, I'm straight in the finals, and I just have that one shot. But I, but above all else, I just want to enjoy it, and I just want to, um, be in the moment. And I think that if I, if I, if I manage to do that, just be in the moment, just enjoying it. That's usually also what people feel, you know, at home it's such a new thing to me to me right it's like I don't know how to imagine what it's gonna be like can you give us a sneaky little idea into what you'll be doing on the Uh, stage in Rotterdam is it going to be a reflection of the music video is it going to be something different give us a little idea about what you'll be doing um it's it's gonna have the energy of the music video is that That's all, all I say? can say right now. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I asked the question. I tried. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's brilliant. I'm, I think we're all looking forward to seeing what you do on the stage. Um, I've been speaking to so many other artists who are coming to the Netherlands uh, to represent their countries as well. And we know, of course, yeah. you mentioned the, the COVID regulations and everybody's going to have to spend so much time in their hotel rooms trying to just keep themselves busy and entertained. Have you thought about what you can do in your hotel room to try and keep yourself busy? Well, but yeah. Well, we're thinking about that now. Um, we're definitely going to do some exercise in the morning. Um, and just I'm, I'm just bringing my guitar and and... I do think that, that we're going to have a lot of things to do. It's going to be a very busy, at least my team is like saying, oh, it's going to be a very intense week. So just, <laughs> I think it's not like boredom is definitely not something that's going to uh, be an issue. I think <laughs> you're going to try and relax as much as possible then. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the goal in between. Very, very important. Um, yeah. One last question from me, because we on the podcast, we've been speaking to loads of people who live in the Netherlands and live in Rotterdam to try and get an yeah. idea about what the feeling is like in the city and in the country that Eurovision is coming to town. And in this part, we've been trying to learn some new Dutch words because me and my co-host Rob, we don't know a lot of Dutch. So can you yeah. give me a Dutch word that 
would be helpful if I was ever to come to the Netherlands? Well, this is a, this is a sweet dish, but I really like porridges. Porridges, did you say? Yeah, porridges. It's like, and porridges are like these, you know, the Dutch pancakes, but these are like the mini, mini Dutch pancakes, <laughs> which are for some reason even better. You eat them with like this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you get the chance, get some porridges. Porridges. I will, as soon as I can come to the Netherlands, that will be the first thing I try, I assure you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate it. And the last thing for me to say is just to wish you the very, very best of luck for Rotterdam. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is the Euro Trip. You weren't wrong. It was a fantastic interview with Jongu. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. I'm saying that because I can only assume he's listening, getting himself ready. Uh, he's, he's packing his bags. He's got less, less, less far to travel than the rest of them, isn't he? Because he was in Amsterdam, I think, when you were having a chat to him. He was, he was in Amsterdam, not in Rotterdam, where the, of course, and I think he mentioned it as well, uh, painted that beautiful mural. Is that the correct word? Mural of him on the uh, on the side of a building somewhere? It certainly is. That is the correct word. Um, but yeah, I've got one thing to pick you up on. Um, there was a question that we've been asking all of the Rotterdam Road Trip guests that you, some for some reason, decided wasn't appropriate. Ah, yes, yes. I didn't ask him what the weather was doing. That's what you're talking about. Um, The reason was, let me try and think of an excuse, is because on the Zoom call, it looked sunny, so I just presumed it was. Also, to be fair to you, I'd like to think you were probably being sympathetic to him, and he'd done about four hours worth of interviews, and the last thing he wanted was (laughs) a sprightly young journalist such as you asking him what the weather was doing in Rotterdam. (laughs) Can you imagine? So, uh, Jongu, what is the weather doing right now? What are you on about? What are you doing? <laughs> As I'm sure every single person we've asked so far had exactly the same thought process. Oh, uh, Anyway, it's that time for the show that we've all been looking forward to, which is to find out how James is quite going to introduce his interview with James Newman that he's not done yet. This is going to be very difficult when James met James uh, in the future, for me, but in the past for you. How do I do this? Well, of course, James Newman, like Jean-Gu McCroy, was meant to represent his country uh, at the cancelled 2020 edition, but he is back, and he is back with a bit of a banger with his song Embers for this year. Uh, It's been doing fantastic numbers on Spotify, it's been doing the rounds on the radio here in the UK, and I think a lot of UK fans are very, very optimistic about his chances for this year. There's not a great deal I can tell you about the interview, as I say. I'm sure, given uh, his previous interviews with uh, other outlets, he's going to be a fantastic interview. But like I say, I don't know what I asked him. So maybe, maybe my first question was, how excited are you to finally be representing the UK at the Eurovision Song Contest? I honestly, I can't believe it's actually happening. It's kind of weird because it felt like it was ages away. And I was like, oh, it's, you know, it feels like it's going to be a long time. And now it's like next week I'm flying to Rotterdam and it's like everything's become instantly really real. So I'm, but I'm just buzzing to get there. Everything's going really well. And I'm just like, yes, come on. I can tell straight away how excited you are, which is just marvellous, <laughs> marvellous. I want to take you back a few years to begin with, however, because some people listening may not know um, that this isn't your first involvement in Eurovision. 2020 wasn't your first involvement in Eurovision, but we'll take it back to 2017. For those who don't know, remind us about what you did in 2017. Uh, I wrote the Irish entry 
for Eurovision for Brendan Murray. Uh, the song was called Dying to Try. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't get to the final, but that was my first Eurovision tick off the box. And in 2017, great. then, when, of course, you said it, it didn't qualify, which, it, which is very sad. But then did you think after that result, did you think, I want to come back? I'm desperate to do it again. Or did you think, oh, God, after that, that's not for me? Um, well, as a writer, I was like, you know, I, I, for songwriters, getting a Eurovision song uh, is like a big thing because it's such a huge competition. So, um, but I never thought I would be performing in it until I got asked. And then I was like, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. All right, why not? Definitely. So, uh, yeah, really exciting. So what was that process like in 2020 then? Oh, I guess you maybe sort of, you were first on the radar in 2019 or back end of. Uh, what was that like, Did you know, when they came to you and said, okay, James, we're, we're quite interested in you to write a song and perform a song. And was that an instant yes for you? Or, you know, were you having to look at it really and think, have I got the right song? What was that original process like? So my A&R actually rang me up out of the blue on like, a, it was like a Tuesday morning and was like, hey, James, random question for you. Uh, do you want to, do Eurovision and I was like whoa oh my god like never thought of it and obviously I was launching my artist career and I wanted to launch in Europe first in Germany um so it kind of felt like the universe had just gone here's a here's a great idea <laughs> um so yeah I mean when you think about how many people watch you perform 180 million people I mean that's like the biggest performance that anyone could ever ask for so for me it was like an instant yes and um uh, and I didn't actually have a song that I, that was ready for for it, so that was then the task of of uh, writing a song that would be that would represent uh, my country in a in a song competition. If we were deep sea ask you about another sad question I promise I'll ask you about some fun stuff in a moment but of course the (laughs) the 2020 contest of course got cancelled and I think I remember it was in the BBC show the Radio 1 programme documentary they made which was a a lot about you and you found out I think you were driving to the shops or something was that how you found out take us back to that moment yeah so me and my wife were just driving to the shop and um, yeah I was I was, knew it was coming and obviously it had to happen to keep everyone safe. You know, you can't have a massive, and no one knew what was going on. Um, and Glastonbury got cancelled and I was like, surely Eurovision's going to get cancelled next. And so you, I knew it was coming. I was like, I'm just waiting. And, uh, and then I saw the email pop up on my phone. So I pulled over, uh, parked the car and then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, read the email and it was like, yeah, Eurovision's cancelled. And I was like, oh, it was just like, such a massive sinking feeling. And I thought, and then I thought about everyone else, how, how gutted everyone else would be, because it's such a big thing to so many people. So. But, you know, it's happening again, and we get to have another go. So, you know, I'm buzzing about it. Absolutely. Like you say, you are back for 2021. How, uh, how quickly did you start to turn your attention to 2021 then? Because... Uh, if I was in your position, I mean, I'm not a performer, so I don't know, but if I was in your position, I'd be straight on the phone, I'd be saying do you want me back? I've written another song. What was, what was that process like then for you after you found out that it got cancelled? So they, I think there was a little bit of a gap between them saying it was cancelled and when 
the artists could do it again. So as soon as I heard that, I was like straight on the phone, rang the BBC. I was like, by the way, <laughs> if you want me to, sign me up because I'm definitely want to, you know, I'd invested so much time into it and I was having such a good time um, with the build up to it that I wanted to kind of carry that on. And, you know, um, it's so fun to, to be a part of. So, yeah, definitely. And I didn't want to be sitting at home now seeing other people that were meant to be doing it again going and I'm just like I wasn't involved so yeah definitely no brainer for me and so was it I guess it was probably over the summer or something and you started to go because you went to a bit of a songwriting camp but just for your team am I right uh yeah I waited actually I, I did a bit of writing um for it but then I, it felt too soon if in a way because I wanted to wait till closer to the competition to write something that felt like close to um, the time so um, uh, I went to Sweden for a bit and then I did some writing there and sailed around on the boat for a while um, but then we actually wrote the song at the end of last year um, just before uh, lockdown started again and we did like a big writing camp uh, Covid safe writing camp um, in a place called Tile Yard and we, we had like different rooms with people writing all week and I kind of was involved in every song and one of them was embers uh that, that came out of that week and it just felt like the right song to to take to rotterdam out of the embers you and i are gonna light up the room quickly did you know that embers was the song because like you say that you were writing other bits and bobs but did this one just really jump out as the one yeah the, i had about i think i had about 15 songs overall that i that i was like thinking of um and kind of like going through the pros and cons and stuff but embers was like one of the main ones that i always thought this song's wicked like i love it and like it just feels like feels like the song that I want to go and sing on stage in front of millions of people. And it felt like a, a song that that represented what's happening in the, in the British music industry right now, you know, like upbeat, fun dance songs and stuff. So it just all kind of clicked for me with that song and it just felt like the right thing to do. And I think you were quoted at the time when it was released or when you were announced that you wanted to bring a banger. You wanted to bring a banger to Eurovision <laughs> 2021. How exciting is it to bring something a bit more upbeat? Because it's a bit different to My Last Breath and it is really upbeat and it does get people on the dance floor. It's really positive, this one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a banger, I think. You know, it's got a big, uh, it's got the brass drop in it, which uh, never fails. A, a brass drop will never let you down. So, yeah, it's great to go and, and like it's so fun, everything that's been, you know, like the the rehearsals for it and everything and getting to sing it. And it just feels fun. And, and the response has been amazing from everyone. And, and a lot of people have said it's like kind of what we what everyone wanted, even though they didn't know what they wanted. But now they do because they've got embers. And the music video must have been such a great 
time to film because that that's just like a party isn't it and nobody's had a party for the last year and you you had one. Oh, it was crazy obviously it was really covid safe but um there was one point when i was walking back from getting a cup of tea and um i could just see like all the lights blast like kind of booming from around the corner and the music was blasting and there was like people kind of spread out all stood near it and i was like oh my god it's like i'm at a festival it's like walking back to the festival uh, and it was an amazing feeling because it was the first time that anyone, well, uh, that I'd been part of anything like that for like a year. So it was amazing. Yeah, great fun. Uh, for you, it must be a great honour to be back again for the UK. We spoke to um, Lee Smithers, who works for the BBC. I'm sure you know him very well at the moment. Do, we yeah. spoke to him at the back end of last year um, here on the podcast, and he said that he wants the UK to be credible again. He wanted an artist who is engaged in the contest. For you, it must be a massive honour that you've been chosen two years in a row to sort of carry that. Definitely. I mean, I was, yeah, it's really humbling that they, that they want me to, to carry that flame. So I'm really, really excited that I'm, that I'm doing it. And yeah, I just, I think it's about time that we, we kind of, we, you know, we did well again in the competition. We used to do really well. Like we're the fifth biggest winner in the, no, third biggest winner in the competition. We've won five times. And I think it's just, it's all about just showing that you care, putting in a song that you love, and just having a good time and showing people that you mean mean what you're singing and what you're saying. And I, I think hopefully I'm doing that. <laughs> Absolutely. Was it difficult for you to say yes, either the first time or the second time, you know, with with the recent history of the UK? Because we all know how, how great the UK has been in the past. But recently, you know, as we both say, it's been, it's been pretty poor. So was it difficult to sort of say to yourself, I think I am the person to be able to change that? I mean, it's a it's a lot of pressure in it, but um, it's I like a challenge. I think it's a, it's a fun challenge as a songwriter and as an artist um, to to have a go at trying to do something different. And if I do manage to do well, then I'll you know I'll you know I'll be I'll be really happy. And it's a great uh, great challenge to do. So I think uh, who knows? Fingers crossed. Absolutely. My fingers are well and truly crossed, I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell us about how preparations have been going over the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months. We've seen you at some of the pre-parties, concert in the dark and stuff like that, performing the song. How have they been going? How have the rest of rehearsals and preparations been going over the last few weeks and months? It's been great. What's been really fun has been getting to do different versions of the song for the pre-parties and, uh, and for Eurovision and stuff. So that was, that's been amazing. Uh, rehearsals have been going so well today it was like a ma- wicked rehearsal everyone was really happy um, I've just been doing singing lessons every day and practicing I've been working out every day uh, I've been being really healthy uh, and it's just I just feel great and I've got a boxing coach called Ryan uh, Picard and he is boxed for Team GB before and he was saying to me the other week he was saying like when he goes into a boxing match, he knows that when he steps in that ring, he's done everything he can to be the best version of himself that he can. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. When I step on that stage, I want to know there's, I couldn't have done anything more to be the best representation of myself. So, yeah, it's been going great. So when you eventually come home in a what, in three or four weeks time, the key yeah. to your success will have been boxing training. <laughs> you never know. It might be. Oh, it's a good way to think of it isn't it like you're training for a for a competition for a fight but uh but in the musical sense absolutely now uh it's getting very close it is a, a, 
what is it now, about two or three weeks to go until the first live shows, the first semi-finals. When, when do you travel? It mustn't be long until you travel over to Rotterdam. I fly there on the 13th, next Thursday. So not very uh, long at all then? Not long at all. So I have to go into isolation on Friday night. And then, uh, and then yeah, and then I go to Rotterdam. Like, I, can't, I mean, it's so close now. It's absolutely crazy. You must be really excited just to to get on that stage because we all know that you've uh, you and every other artist this year has filmed a live on tape performance, which we hope we don't see. Of course, we hope to get you seen mm. uh, on the actual stage. So, knowing that you've got that performance in the bag, you must be really excited to actually go out there to the Ahoy, to the main stage, to the main arena, and really get a feel for that place. Yeah, I can't wait till my feet just go on the stage and just that feeling. It's going to be electric. Um, yeah, the backup performance is great because it's definitely a good way to... I mean, it's kind of a blessing you get to see uh, like what you could do different and what you could, you know, kind of, you know, use it as a work tape to work from. But nothing's going to be getting on that stage. So get to the dress rehearsal, that gets recorded and that's then your backup performance. So um, I'm just... I think that's right anyway. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to, uh, to, get, to get there and get on the stage. Absolutely. I think we're all very excited to see what happens with Embers this year, especially because uh, there's somebody involved in your staging, Jerry Reeve, who was yes. who was meant to be or was involved with the staging for My Last Breath last year. And we got a bit of a sneak peek on um, one of the BBC shows last year about what that staging was going to be like. And it looked, I mean, epic is probably the best word to use. <laughs> this year, you're not going to tell me, I know you're not, but I'm going to ask the question yeah. anyway. What... <laughs> What are we going to see from you this year? We've um, we've seen some some little dance moves in the official video. Are you going to be dancing? What's going to be happening on stage? Well, I'll tell you that I've been record, I've been practicing choreography, and I've got a, a set routine that I've been working on, uh, and it's going to be it's going to be totally different to last year. Um, obviously, I've gone from ice to fire. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to give too much away but slowly things will appear and you'll, you'll find out, but um, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be high energy. It's going to be, it's going to be a party on stage. Very exciting. You said, uh, you said you've learned a little routine. Um, is there going to yeah. be, is it going to be some sort of TikTok dance? Is it, is it going to be like a thing for everyone to get involved in at home? Are we all going to have to try it to see what, oh, see can copy uh, it? you never know. I mean, yeah, that'd be great if you all want to learn my dance moves. It's taken me long enough. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, very exciting. Very, very excited to see what it looks like. What are your hopes then for for Rotterdam this year? Because as we've said, it's been a difficult ride over the last couple of decades or so for the UK. Um, again, I go back to the to the chat we had with Lee Smithers at the end of last year, and he says it's a bit of a long-term strategy and, you know, the left-hand side of the leaderboard would be a good result this year. But for you personally, is that what you're looking at, the left-hand side? Are you, are you sort of aiming your sights a little bit higher? Left-hand side is my baseline result, but I'm like a, a firm believer in the, the power of positive thinking and uh, positive manifestations and stuff. So I'm like at least top 10 uh, I want to come. But I mean, the response has been so good. I'm like, I don't know, anything could happen, but I would like to come top 10, but at least left-hand side of the leaderboard. Well. We haven't got long left to find out. It's only a few weeks to go. I can see how excited you are as well. You're dead excited for this, aren't you? <laughs> I'm proper buzzing, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I'm going to try and, well, I don't mean to do this, but I'm going to bring you down to earth with a bit of a bump because we know you've got to spend a lot of time in your hotel room 
everyone's got mm. to do it when you get to Rotterdam. And we've been speaking to loads yeah. of the other artists to try and find out what they're going to do to try and keep themselves entertained. There's been some unusual strategies. Some people say they're going to write an album. Some people right. say they're going to rehearse a little bit. Some people just say they're going to take some ice cream in, some food and just chill out. So what is the James Newman stance on how to pass the time in the hotel room this year? Well, I really love my own company, so I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to... <laughs> I'm going, to learn, I'm going to do, obviously, practice for singing every day. Uh, and I'm really into cold water swimming. But obviously, I can't go cold water swimming. So I'm hopefully going to try and get some fresh ice delivered every day to have a cold ice bath. Uh, and, you know, practice my dance moves and, uh, and watch uh, previous winners to see, to see if I can pick up any tips. Try and find out the winning combination then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Very, very exciting. So mainly is chill out and practice. So a bit of everything then. Yeah, yeah. Chill out literally in an ice bath. You won't catch me doing that. I can tell you that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, James Newman, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate your time. I can see just how excited you are to finally step foot on that plane to get across to Rotterdam. Um, So uh, the last thing for me is just to wish you the very, very best of luck uh, for Rotterdam later this month. Thank you so much, James. I really appreciate it, man. So there he was, we think, James Newman. Amazing to have him on the podcast. Um, Alternatively, just to save me and James recording something else, uh, you may have just heard Vincent Bueno, which is another chat that I had the other week. Uh, If you heard Vincent Bueno, turns out James Newman didn't turn up, but that would have been nice as well. Hopefully, though, you heard James Newman. Hopefully you did, and hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I will doing it this is getting too confusing we should probably leave it there and just say a big thanks to James for turning up absolutely and good luck in Rotterdam James we have everything crossed that we may possibly find ourselves on the left-hand side of the scoreboard it's not a big ask is it it's all we ask it's funny when a uh, local as we uh, like to call them you know they they, uh, they ask you as I'm sure they ask me as well oh well how's the UK going to do this year and then you say to them, well, we just want to be in the left-hand side. And then they go, well, what's the left-hand side mean? And then you get yourself in a right old long conversation. Oh, it's a right old mess, isn't it? Sometimes it's just not worth the hassle, isn't it? Sometimes they try and be polite and ask you about Eurovision. And you think, ah, this is not really worth it. Somebody did it with me the other day and they said, what's been your favourite entry over the last decade? I think it's a blue. And they said, oh, well, all the others were rubbish, weren't they? And then I started, you know, that conversation that conversation where it's like oh well there there wasn't really a process there wasn't really a system and I thought I'm going too far here yeah and then you do that thing and be like well actually the thing you need to understand local man is it (laughs) it's actually part of a long-term strategy from the BBC and yeah and they don't care do they but we do and that's the main thing anyway it's one second song time is it not because just to again let you in listeners onto a little secret We've got to crack on with this recording because James Newman's interview is coming up for the James that's opposite me. The time is ticking. It is. I'm speaking to her in 15 minutes. My clock has just ticked right now. So it's 15 minutes exactly until James Newman turns up. So we've got to very quickly get on with the one second song, the part of the show I'm sure all of you look forward to every week. I'm really rushing through this. Let's, let's keep it up. The part of the show, if you've never listened before, where we play each other the first second of a Eurovision song, and all you've got to do is guess the name of the song, the name of the artist, the country it's from, and the year it's from. Wow. Blimey. Very good. I enjoyed Come that. Come on, speed this up, Rob. Speed this up. James Newman is on his way. 
you have got a future career as the person that does the last bit of the adverts on telly when they have to try and <laughs> get away with something they uh, don't want to tell you about when they speak really, really quickly and do this instead. Oh, indeed. I don't want to waste any more time. Uh, everybody, for the first time, for both you and James, here is this week's One Second Song. Yes, James, we are going to keep that in. That is the noise that you made after hearing this week's One Second Song for the first time. Was oh, that dear. was that a good noise or a bad noise? It was a good noise, and it was a good noise because I know we were in a rush. So I was going to try and get on with things and tell you immediately, I am going to get four points, but I'm more than happy if you want to play it again for the listeners who don't know what it is. I will play it again, uh, mainly because it will make it all the better if you have over-egged yourself and uh, you've actually got it wrong. Uh, So James apparently doesn't need this, but for you at home, here is uh, this week's One Second Song one more time. Yes, thank you. Um, Yeah, I know what it is. I'm just going to come straight out with it. Uh, It is 2017, uh, Cyprus. It is Hovig with gravity and seen as we are short for time that is four points well done sir what a tremendous effort that was however i don't know what the tenuous link is if any to this week's episode let me have a very quick think uh cyprus 2017 jean gumacroy uh seats nah can't do it haven't got it Honestly, quite straightforward this week, because I did feel that we'd got a little bit too tenuous. So the reason you were about to hear Cyprus 2017 is because, of course, we heard from, we think, I mean, we've said that enough times, James Newman with the song Embers. Now, James's song Embers, of course, is a bit similar, and yeah, it is quite tenuous, is a bit similar to the song Fuego, of course, because Fuego means fire. Fire, a bit like embers, you get embers from fire. What was the Cypriot entry before Fuego? It was Hovig. Look, it was a poor, poor effort from me. I didn't have long to choose it. Anyway, here it is. There it was. Um, also, that you could have made that link a hell of a lot stronger because, of course, James Newman wrote the Irish song in 2017. And you just chosen a song from 2017, couldn't you? James Newman wrote that song. Brendan Murray, Dying to Try. Did he? Didn't he? Well, I'm about to ask, I'm about to ask him that in that interview that you've just heard and that I'm about to do. Well, this is a little, little pre-production meeting now. Did James Newman write that song? That is not a story I've heard before, but that's not to say that it is not true. You've got it from somewhere. Uh, I I have. Uh, dying to try. Eurovision 2017, Ireland. Uh, written by... 
James Newman. Wow. Yes. Every day. Whew. Every day is a school day. And yes, you're right. That would have been a much better link. So we, uh, we can go with that if you want. Yes, we can. Although, <laughs> not recording all that again because we're pushed for time. So there we go. We found out on the spot there that you didn't know that. But there you go. Every, like you say, every day is a school day. Yeah, they did. No. I was going to say they did quite well in 2017, didn't they? They did, did they? No, they didn't. And I imagine I asked him about this, about the fact that they didn't qualify for the grand final. Yeah. Probably be, be careful how you give, give mm. him that question. Yeah, I will. I shall. Thanks for the advice. Anyway, are we about done? I think we are. I think we are. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's podcast. Apologies if you feel like we've, you know, rushed through it. But as we say, uh, at the time that I'm speaking right now, James's interview with James Newman is is merely 11 minutes away. And he's probably going to want to pop to the loo before you chat to James, I can only imagine. So time is a ticket. But thank you very much to Sitsubaka for joining us. Thank you very much to uh, Jean-Guy McCroy for joining us. And also, thank you, hopefully, for James Newman for joining us as well. It is brilliant to have all of those on the podcast. And honestly, from me, when we started doing this podcast, if I'd said to you that we'd have two Eurovision 2021 artists and the exec producer of the contest on the same episode, I would have thought you were mad. So it is, uh, no, it is lovely and heartwarming just to see how far we have come as a podcast and it is lovely to have you along with us for the ride as well it certainly is thank you so much uh, to every single one of you listening for joining us every single week and for joining us multiple times a week when we give you something a little bit extra perfect segue to remind you about the backer bonus coming your way on friday but from me james until we speak again on friday don't forget to subscribe leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, as the clock ticks to 10 minutes before James Newman arrives, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, and not from Satori, because apparently he's in the box and he's not allowed out until the end of Eurovision season. How unbelievably unfair. Something tells me you might turn up before then. Just for you, Corey. Anyway, uh, yeah, from me, Rob, it's goodbye. Are you wearing your uh, Jingu jumper today? Uh, I am the yellow, yeah. Actually, that was really, um, this wasn't a conscious decision. It's also my Albert jumper, isn't it? The one that you just... It's a bit baggy. It's a bit big. It, uh, oversized, I think the correct term is. Uh, and I think that's... That tr- that's trendy these yeah, days, isn't it? It is fashionable, yeah. Never thought I'd be a fashionable type. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.